1: up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 as we begin a new series, departing from the book of Romans. Remember the last couple weeks we talked about small groups, and by the way, you still have a chance to go online and sign up for a small group. The question has been asked, can we do more than one small group? The answer would be yes, you can sign up for more than one small group there are many groups already going on as we talk but there are some groups that will just be getting started so you want to go online sign it fill out the form by the way if you're already going to a group uh, would you please still go online if you're part of the men's or women's in sunday morning if you're part of one of the groups that uh, that i have already been operating please still go online and fill out that form so we can see who's in attendance in one of those small groups. That's where family takes place. That's where community takes place. That's where relationships are built. So be sure to go online and sign up. It's for you. It's for you. So the title of this morning's message is Happiness. Boy, we could use some of that. Happiness is. So I'm going to read the passage to you. So we're going to go to uh, the Beatitudes, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. Chapter 5 of... The Sermon on the Mount, we'll discuss a little bit about that, but let's read it. Now when the crowds, when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he went up to the mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, by the way, how many have watched the Chosen series? Okay, that's where it left off at, right there, at the Sermon on the Mount, and, and so season three will begin shortly. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We're going to try to understand that a little bit better. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word this morning. Happiness is, so I kind of wanted to start off with a little bit of lightheartedness. Happiness. By the way, in many of the translations, it reads "blessed," but it's interpreted "happiness" in the English language. It's not; it's the inward spiritual condition of a man, not the outward material or physical condition of man. Remember that. But I, I happened to go on the computer, and uh, I found the World Happiness Report, and in that report. It talks about the happiest nation on this planet. Guess which nation is the happiest nation on the planet? Who? Peru. Oh, I see. That's where she's from, so that's why she said that. It happens to be Finland. Finland is the number one country in the world when it comes time to happiness. Why? because they consistently rank amongst the most educated of all nations, sometimes surpassed by South Korea, Japan, and Singapore. So they're trying to say, if you're educated, you're happy. That means a lot of you people should be happy, because most of you people you are educated. Who's the... What's the saddest country in the world? Don't mention your country. <laughs> oh, I like that laugh. The saddest country in the world... Afghanistan, that was... Who's the happiest person in the world besides you? The happiest person in the world happens to be, according to the world's happiness report, a man from Tibet. His name is Matthew Ricard, a 66-year-old Tibetan monk. And a, he's a genesis or, a, you know... He, he thinks he's all that and more. Produces brain gamma waves linked to the consciousness, attention, and learning, and memory. And never before reported in neuroscience, leading researchers to conclude that Richard is the world's happiest man because of what I just read. Education makes you happy uh, because you're a neuroscientist or uh, you, uh, you know how to um, engineer um, Brainwaves, does that make you happy? How about some other things that can make you happy? Smile, that can make you happy. Get plenty of sleep. Be grateful. Give a compliment. Breathe deeply. Those things can make you happy? Then there should there should football. be... There, fo- okay, football. Someone said football. Okay. Oh. Except when your team loses, then you're not happy. I... I it gave a list of 45 things that makes you happy. I'll just give you a couple of them. Uh, spend some time with your furry friends. Ah, oh, that kind of brings a smile to many people's face. Count your blessings. We need to do that more often. But then it gets into some things I kind of think are kind of weird. Remind yourself how great you are. <laughs> it reminds me of some television preachers. I won't mention anybody's names. <laughs> Call your mom. That can make some people happy. And... <laughs> the funny one is the next couple. Listen to music. It can make you happy. But then it says, listen to some sad music. Okay, here's one we'll end with. Fake a smile. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now and fake a smile. Look at your neighbor right now. If you're online, there's someone sitting next to you. Fake a smile. It's supposed to, we have the happiest church in the United States of America without preaching a prosperity gospel. Everyone's happy. You just fake the smile. Okay. Now let's get to some real meat of God's word. And what is he really saying is real happiness? The Beatitudes. Where did this take place? It probably took place on the mountain of Galilee. That's probably where this particular sermon took place. The first part of the sermon does talk a lot about happiness, but then the rest of 5, 6, and 7 are very challenging. Don't murder, don't lust, don't steal, and on and on the list goes. So enjoy the first part of chapter 5. Well, Jesus taught like no other man, but remember that was not Jesus' purpose to teach. Always remember that he came back or came to earth for the cross. If you leave out the cross, you leave out the gospel and the main reason for Christ being here on earth. But he did teach. By the way, when he did teach, he sat, teachers sat, and you stood. So I was thinking of getting that school and trying that. I'm going to teach sitting down, and you're going to stand for the whole service. That's what they did. In fact, it gives credence to the scripture that teaches us in Matthew 23, 2. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So they literally did sit down. But I want to remind you that chapter 5 through 7 actually took only about 10 minutes It's going to take us six weeks. Something's wrong about that to go through the Sermon on the Mount. But it actually is the longest recorded sermon of Jesus. So again, they stood, so guess what would happen? It's hard to fall asleep, although I have seen some people stand sleeping. And it was given to his disciples, although I believe his voice echoed and many people heard what Jesus was saying. Well, the purpose, it looks like what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so this kind of is a little bit different than what you heard when Moses went up on the mountain. Jesus went up on a mountain. Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. We found out we couldn't keep those commandments. So really, Jesus is teaching us something that we can do, that we can keep. So if you want to be a follower of Jesus, then meet the standard that's motivated by the heart. Well, Jesus had compassion on the people, and I believe that it involves more than just um, motivation for preaching. A lot of people stand up to speak and teach and They're motivated by just being in the presence of people. But when we preach, when Jesus taught, he had compassion on the people that he taught. He is a shepherd. Too often, however, such things as popularity and pride and a paycheck motivates a lot of the teaching and preaching in our land, but not so, of course, with Christ. He also taught them. He didn't entertain them. Hmm. Why do you go to church? Do you you come to church to worship God, or do you come to be entertained? That's not what Jesus came to do. Some general thoughts about the Beatitudes. Uh, By the way, they're not a multiple choice. It's like going to Sam's. You want to get one can of tuna fish? You can't get one can of tuna fish at Sam's. You have to buy six, seven, or eight, or the whole pack. You can't get one roll. I don't know if you can get one roll of paper towel. You have to buy this big old... Big old package that takes up your whole cart. So it's a package deal. And, and they're progressive in their intensity. Begins with humility. Blessed are the pure, excuse me, blessed are the poor. And then ends in persecution. These eight character traits open up the door to real inner happiness. If obeyed, each tree has a reward or a promise. Again, I told you the word beatitude actually is not found in the Bible. It is translated happy. So there are eight beatitudes, eight points of blessings or instructions how to be blessed. So let's look at the first one. Happy are the poor in spirit in verse 3. Happy are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, it's not talking about being poor. If you, you if you can be happy and be poor, then let's just take a little stroll down to the Salvation Army or the any rescue mission and see how happy they are. That's not what he's talking about. Being poor, therefore, you're happy. Material poverty does not guarantee spiritual blessings. It doesn't mean having no backbone either. It's the opposite of the world the world of self-praise. Poor in spirit is not false humility. It's honesty with ourselves. It's, it's reminding ourselves how destitute we are about our sinful nature, how happy we would be If we recognize we have a sinful problem so we can be set free, I know Casey runs a freedom group to set you free or people who are free, you you can be in bondage to a lot of things. Blessed is the man, happy is the person that recognizes their spiritual poverty. That's what he's talking about. So now you can look to the one who will fill your appetite. Jesus is enough. And then you live that way, realizing that you are poor in spirits. Just the opposite of the way the Pharisees and the Sadducees lived, very proud and arrogantly, feeling that they were self-sufficient. The reward, if you recognize that you are in spiritual poverty, you're looking in online this morning, you realize I have a need, a spiritual need that I cannot fill. I have a void that I cannot fill. You are poor in spirit. Happy are those who recognize they are poor in spirit. The reward is heaven, the kingdom of heaven. There is the kingdom of God, by the way. You'll see the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God used quite frequently in Scripture. Often they're synonymous terms. But in this case, the kingdom of heaven was where God is. And then there's the kingdom or the rule of God in the hearts of men. Luke 17 reminds us of that, and that's what this passage is talking about. God will rule in your life. Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of heaven would come, Jesus replied... The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. So blessed are the poor of spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. That means God rules your heart. Happy is the person who is poor in spirit, for God rules them rather than the world or rather than themselves. Happy are the poor in spirit. The next one, the next beatitude, or you'll be happy if you mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Once again, it's mourning over sin, and you despise it. We see sin in the way that God sees it, and we seek to treat it the way that God does. Remember, Jesus mourned. Remember, Jesus brought the good news. But the Bible says about Jesus, he was a man of sorrows. could you imagine knowing what Jesus knew? And all humanity, he said, Wide is the path that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to life. We mourn over our family members who don't know Christ. We mourn over our friends and our co-workers who do not know Christ. We mourn over the condition of this world. Those who cover sin or defend sin certainly have the wrong attitude. We should not only mourn over our sin, but we should also meekly submit to God. Now, the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, recognizes one's sin. The second beatitude, one is remorse over their personal sin. I wonder, I wonder today if we are actually remorse over our sin when we come into the presence of God. One of the reasons why it could be uncomfortable for people to to want to be with God is because of their comfort with sin. Are you remorse over what Jesus died for? Happy is the person that is remorse over their sin. Their reward? You'll be comforted by the Holy Spirit. He is called the comforter. So it says you will be comforted. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we mourn. The fact that mourning precedes comforting in the time sequence reminds us of the basic spiritual truth. That the negative, recognizing you're a sinner, recognize you're addicted, the negative often must precede the positive in order to be able to enjoy these attitudes of mourning and being poor in spirit. We must be convicted before we are converted, we cannot have conversion without the condemning of sin, which brings conviction of sin. Again, let me say that sorrow, no more than poverty, is a blessed or is a blessed thing in of itself. Let me say it again: that let me say that sorrow, no more than poverty, is a blessed thing in of itself. You see, God made laughter as well as tears. And grief is no more divine than gladness. The grief, like the poverty, must be of godly sort for it to profit much. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Now blessed are the meek in verse 5. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. The first few Beatitudes are closely related and come into Proper sequence. The first, again, beatitude is the recognition of our nothingness. The second one grieves over this condition. And the third one, meekness, is the resultant behavior in view of the first two beatitudes. Now, meekness is not weakness or an easygoing disposition or even timidity. Neither are they deficient in strength of purpose. It is a gentleness of strength. I've always said I love strength under control. It's not biological but a spiritual condition. It's not a hen-pecked husband or a brow-beaten wife or a yes-man on the job. That's not what meekness means. It's gentle, long-suffering, and patient. Can you think of some characters in the Bible that were meek? What about Moses, one of the most meekest men in Scripture? What about Jesus? Here's what Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble or meek in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Meekness is not weakness. The word translated meek was used by the Greeks to describe a horse that had been broken. So it refers to power under control. The reward? You'll get to inherit the earth, but not this kind of earth. God is coming back with a new heaven and earth. He will reign for a 1,000 years, and then it will be destroyed by fire, and he will usher in a new heaven and a new earth, and we will rule with Christ. You see, the Pharisees were concerned primarily with external qualities, but these qualities that Jesus mentions in the Sermon on the Mount are internal, being poor in spirit, mourning, being meek. They come only when one is properly related to God through faith. Happy are the meek. Here's a good one that we love. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This talks about desire. Do you really, is Jesus really enough? Or do you desire, do I desire more things of the world constantly fill our, to fill our plate? Can we get enough of this world? My devotions have been taking me through the Bible in a year, and I'm in Ecclesiastes as well as in 2 Corinthians. And In Ecclesiastes, in the first few chapters, Solomon reminds us that he tried everything to fill that void. He tried every kind of pleasure, and it didn't make him happy. He tried to accumulate gold and silver. It didn't make him happy. He tried to build, and it didn't make him happy. Just read... One of the wisest men in the world. And he tells you, nothing that you're pursuing in this world will bring satisfaction. Desire spiritual things. Do you desire spirituality or do you desire fame? In this, the scripture teaches us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It speaks of an urgency. Psalms 42, you are, you are very familiar with this passage. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Is that your testimony right now? Are you sitting there this morning going, Jesus is enough. In fact, I want more. I want more of him. I want to hang out with him. I want to be with him. I want to read about him. I want to talk about him. I want to give to him. Does your soul thirst? Does it pant for spiritual truths, for righteousness? It really kind of speaks to the frequency, the frequency of the desire Hungering, thirsting after righteousness will go a long ways in preventing lapses into evil. Hungering and thirsting for God. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? You will be happy. (laughs) And you will not be happy if you hunger and thirst for the things of the world. Besides that, they can be taken away from you at any moment. God wants you and me to understand the brevity of everything. The reward, notice the sureness. It says, you will be filled. It is something that will actually fill your cup. And your cup will runneth over, as Psalms 23 indicates. Nothing in the world will satisfy. Solomon understands that. So why then do we pursue those things? But if you pursue righteousness, you will be be filled, Psalms 107, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. There is a place where you can sit at the banquet table and God will fill you up. You fill your your gas tank up, it seems to go empty very quickly. Your refrigerator, you fill it up, it seems to be gone within a week. Your clothes closet, well, I won't go there because it seems to stay filled. The shoe closet, well, I won't go there because you have plenty of shoes. It is a place, though. It is a place of satisfaction. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. Be sure to tell your children and your grandchildren who are always asking for things. Be sure to tell yourself when you look in the mirror because you're always asking God for something. Seek righteousness. Another attitude to have. Oh, I love to be around people like this. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy. This is one attitude I have zero problem with because I look in the mirror and I understand how I want God to be with me. I, in turn, want to be that same way with people. Blessed are the merciful. When we experience God's mercy, when we experience Christ and he gives us a clean heart and peace within, having received his mercy, we share his mercy with other people. We seek to help others. Are you a merciful person or do you like to take out vengeance? Hmm. With all the things that have been happening in our world, I wonder how much we really want to practice this or do we want to get even. Remember, Jesus says, vengeance is mine. If someone has wronged you, remind yourself. God said, I am the one who will avenge you. You practice mercy on those who have offended you. Well, giving mercy means giving without regard to merit. You and me, remember mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. I don't see too many young people in here, but I certainly remember those times when we deserved a paddle and we didn't get it. And sometimes uh, my children, I think once or twice, uh, they've told me sometime when I paddled them incorrectly. My daughter's here reminding me of the paddle time. One time when I accused her of, well, uh, she had holes in the socks. And we we weren't allowed when we were kids to, when we were kids, we got one, two pair of socks, one pair of shoes. And you certainly didn't wear the, the uh put a hole in your sock you did not walk around without your shoes now you go in everybody's homes, you take your shoes off and so I accused her one time of uh, of walking around i think with uh, uh with the uh without shoes on I, I don't remember if I paddled her or not but but they remember those times when you accuse them incorrectly and uh she'll she'll never let me forget that <laughs> so um it, you don't it, but she did, I don't think she got a paddle, but there's many times uh, I, I said to her, well, listen, there are many times you deserve the paddling and you didn't get it, so I'm making up for the times you did deserve it. <laughs> Amen. You ever done that with your kids? Many times they deserve it, they didn't get it, so if I messed up, well, this makes up for one of the times you did deserve it. So it's mercy is not getting what you do deserve. That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross for you and me, right? He gave us mercy instead of justice. The price of mercy, because mercy shows no merit, mercy may not always be easy to show. Again, too often we base our conduct upon merit. He doesn't deserve that. It's what we hear more than mercy. They don't deserve it. I have to decide that when I come to the corner and I see all the people begging. There may be coming a time and it may be upon us right now where a lot of people that are begging may actually need it. We'll have to let the Holy Spirit guide us in the kind of mercy that we show toward others. Mercy is more than an attitude. It requires an action. Mercy is not a toleration of evil or elimination of penalties. Although we are glad, as the psalmist said, You have not treated us, you have not treated me as my sins deserve. But again, it doesn't eliminate penalties. Mercy kind of has two meanings. We call it pity when it has compassion on those who are suffering. We call it mercy when it extends forgiveness to those who have done us wrong. We just got done a weekend of with the, the band The Brothers put it on, Forgiving Forward. By the way, I bought the, the series. The guy communicated to us that so many marriages were spared because the spouse forgave the other spouse. And miraculously, marriages were healed. There's too many spouses going around. With unforgiveness and not showing mercy to their spouse, and therefore, they clog up the drain pipe pipe of what God wants to give them, um, not showing mercy to your mom and dad because they got it wrong one time. and not forgiving them. We're going to be putting that on next year in January. Forgiving forward. It can free a lot of people of their wounds that they have in their lives. Can be healed. Many can even be saved. So we want to look forward to doing that. The meek man endures an in injury, the merciful man forgives it. We have to remember that our Lord, and then Paul, my goodness, I just got done reading today all the things that Paul suffered. Man, we can't even take someone cutting us off in the road without feeling our muscles. let alone someone really give us a tongue lashing. I think the hardest thing, again, for me is to go into places and be merciful to the people that want me to mask up and juice up. I, 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 I mean, I'm just, oh, be merciful. Let me be merciful to them, Father. Let me be merciful. Okay, because my homework, my homework on my part says that something can get through my mask. Maybe you, you have a different mask than I. Maybe you have a Batman mask, or maybe you have a Spider Man mask. I don't know. Maybe it can't get through there, but my mask, it can get through there. So I I need to be merciful for those that have a different view than me, and I will be, and we will be. Blessed are the merciful. It's reciprocal. So as I give it, please give it back in return. It is reciprocal. Wow, it's one of the the blessings. It's kind of like God said, He loves generosity. Whatever you sow, you will reap. I don't know if you really believe that. You think pastors and churches are always after your money. No, God's after your heart. God's after your heart. Then the money follows. But it is a teaching that too many pastors have abused. But it is true. It is true. As you give, so will it be given to you. It also explains this particular attitude. Blessed are the merciful. I love being merciful because I know God is merciful to me and will be merciful to me. And if I'm merciful to you, you will be merciful to me, hopefully. Okay, another beatitude, happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the pure in heart, verse 8. We have a couple more and we're finished. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This beatitude is viewed by some as the highest pinnacle of all the beatitudes. It is undoubtedly one of the greatest utterances to be found anywhere in the whole realm of Scripture, said Martin Lloyd-Jones. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The heart. First purity of the heart, then purity of conduct. And we certainly are challenged in the day and age we have to stay pure in the mind and in the heart. Trouble The trouble with the world is the heart, not the physical heart, but the spiritual heart. Remember when David said to to God, God in Psalms 51, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In fact, why don't we just pray that right now? I want you to repeat that after me and mean it. If you mean it, God will answer your prayer right now. Are you ready? Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now God's going to answer that if you meant that prayer request. The pure in heart are blessed. But this is not meant to indicate men who are altogether sinless. For in that case, only a few would inherit the blessing. If it meant perfection, there would be none of us that would have a pure heart. So this is something, it is a lifestyle. This is what we strive to be, pure in heart. The pure in heart are those who seek spiritual cleansing, who would purge out every evil thought and all the leaven of unrighteousness, I believe as a church. And it begins with the pastor too at times. Remember, we just celebrated the high holy days, the Jewish people did. And remember, even the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies, confess the sins of the nation, and confess his own sin before he went into the Holy of Holies. We need to, as a church, really recognize the impurity all around us in the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the places that we go. It's just available everywhere. So we have to be intentional in saying to our house, ourselves, God, I desire to be pure in heart. I want to be just like David. I want to pray this prayer on a regular basis. God created me a clean heart. Get rid of the leaven. And I thought about the leaven. Please go around in your house today and get rid of all the leaven. Get rid of all the things that are counter to our pure heart. The reward... Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 elaborates on this a little bit further. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now remember, he declares you holy. You are not holy. If I could just get into your mind and your heart, get into your home, get in your car, if your car could speak, we would know that you're not holy and pure. But God declares you holy. Holy. You have not been made pure. You have not been glorified, but we're on that journey of becoming like him. So make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, most in the world don't want to see God, but they will change their minds at death. Let me say that one more time. Remember, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Without righteousness, without holiness, you will not see God. You cannot obtain holiness, purity without the drop of blood. Just think, one drop of blood will make you holy. Applied to your heart, God will declare you holy. So if you're listening this morning and you're not pure in heart and you don't know God just call upon Jesus Christ and ask him to, to wash you with his blood and he will save you happy are the peacemakers boy do we need peacemakers today verse 9 there seems to be no peace in the world at all blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of god oh my goodness we hate turning on the television because there seems to be no peace. We, we don't want to watch the news because there seems to be no peace. Our politicians are offering no peace. Our, our doctors and nurses are offering no peace. The only thing they think that will bring you peace is to take a shot. And now they're saying after you take a shot, now there still is no peace. Now you've got to get another shot and another shot. There's no peace in our land. But peace can be found in God. One of the most obvious facts in history and of human experience is that peace does not characterize man's earthly existence. There's no peace for two reasons, the opposition of Satan and the disobedience of man. The fall of the angels and the fall of man established a world without peace. So don't expect the world to usher in peace. Don't expect a party. Don't expect a government to usher in peace. The fall of the angels and the fall of man established this world without peace. Satan and man are engaged with the God of peace in a battle for sovereignty. If you can't look and see what's happening right now, then your head's stuck in the sand. There is something greater happening than meets the eye. I just want to tell you one, and I know they're lying to me, and I will be public about this. I went and got tested. You keep saying, why do I say things in the pulpit? Because we're living in a world of lies. And they said, I had the antibodies. <laughs> I had the antibodies. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free of getting infected in any disease. They said, I have the antibodies. And I didn't get a shot. And my doctor said, my doctor said. Yes, my doctor. Do you want to go to my doctor? I'll give you a name. <laughs> she said, I have the antibodies, and it's better than the shot. Why are the people in the world not shouting from the rooftops that? Why? Wake up and smell the coffee. The world is at war with God. Satan is a liar. He's a murderer and a deceiver. And he's deceiving people in the world of lies. Why in India can they take ivermectin and have zero deaths? why why are they not promoting a medication that could heal our loved ones why they're at war with god there is no peace the only peace you're going to get is in a relationship with jesus christ and he will give you wisdom that the world does not have they don't have the wisdom that you and me have Okay, I mentioned two things. My wife said, can you go one week without mentioning something? I think I, think I did last week. But it's, but it's what we're living with today, amen? When I went to seminary, they said, have a newspaper in one hand and have the Bible in the other hand. I'm not going to be oblivious, to, oh, excuse me, ob- ob- oblivious, oblivious to what's happening in the world, and plus I care about people. But at least those two things you know is absolutely true. It's not conspiracy that if you had the COVID at all, you're free. You have the antibodies. You can walk out there and breathe in the air, no matter who's around you. Amen. Hallelujah. You can take a a breath of fresh air out there. You can open up the window without a mask. You can actually walk in the street when nobody's around without a mask. Woo! Hallelujah. Well, I have some people laughing and some are not, so I'll be getting some emails, I'm sure, from Texas. (laughs) Glad to have my daughter with me, by the way. She's all the way from Texas. (laughs) Megan. And as some of you don't know, but her and her her husband were here for 14 years, worked for me, and now he went on. And now he doesn't have any peace because he's not working with me. He's somewhere else. (laughs) Now I'm just teasing you. Well, those are things I I will always be a real person up here and the things that I can be real about, the things that we know absolutely for sure and it's not conspiracy, we will bring forward those things and tell you about them so you can prepare. And uh, I, I have some, by the way. I have some medication in case I breathe any foul air in. It's called, you guessed it, ivermectin. And you can get it. Just call online. Doctors or call a friend and ask them, and they'll get you some. Okay. We'll end here. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the troublemakers. That's who God promised to bless. Finally, happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Let me tell you something. As I stand here today, as we opened up a year ago on Mother's Day, there was a lot of people that didn't want us to open. And our church has been nothing but blessed since. I can't put my finger up in the wind and go, okay, which way is the world going? I do appreciate some men that I've surrounded myself with, and I talk to them about decisions that, uh, that we're going to make. But there are things that I'm not going to be silent about, but neither will I say things just to get brownie points, and neither will I say things just to make people mad. We love all people because we're God's children. We love people no matter the decisions they make. But we have opinions, too, and we will not be silenced. Amen. Amen. We all have opinions. I, I like this team. You like that team. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need to speak the truth in love. But we will be persecuted because of the stance that we're taking. And here's another problem that you see. Why are the people that decide the antibodies are okay and not the vaccine, why are you making fun of us? Why are you belittling us? Why are the hospitals and the workers making fun of us and belittling us? They know many Christians have a problem with what's happening in the world. They're persecuting us just because we believe we can count on our maker for our health and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. That's available to anybody that will just do some of their homework and not get their marching orders from, you guessed it, the media, do your homework, and you'll discover what many of us discovered. Why are they trying to rob us of peace in this country? There's, I started this by saying there's a greater, greater force at work than meets the eye. You have to look behind the curtain and see what's going on. It's the devil and his demons. It is his world right now. He, has, he is the prince of the air, and he's working through our governments of the world. He's working through pharmaceutical companies. He's working through the media. He's working through now employment. They're trying to rob us of our peace. But your peace doesn't come from this world. It comes from God. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to have to have these attitudes that I just talked about, being pure in heart, being beat, being merciful so that how we respond to the attacks because we make a different decision than they make or even political because you make a decision here and they make a decision here. We as Christians, no matter what side of the aisle you're on or no matter what side of the vaccines you're on, I know God has called me to love everyone no matter what decision they've made. I know that and I will do that but those who have listened you need to be just as merciful and compassionate to those who have not and quit practicing persecution let us have the kind of rights that have been granted to us by God and by our Constitution that we have a right to decide the medical attention that we need for our own bodies nobody has that right over your body. Where are the women libbers who say we have rights over our bodies to do what we want? If we want to take the life of a child, we can do that. How come they aren't arguing this case and defending our cause that we have a right to do what we want with our bodies, meaning that we can decide what we want to put in our bodies and what will not. So that time is upon us. Remember, the, John said this as we end. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, they hate us. Quit trying to please the world. I wanna be careful when I stand up here. I wanna preach the gospel. But I already know the world doesn't like me, and I don't like it. I don't like the world. I don't like the world's philosophy. I don't like the world's, basically, most of its entertainment. It's anti-God. I don't like the education, most of the education. You have to get educated, but you're going to have to debrief them when they come home, parents. If the world hates you, keep in mind they hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you of its own. They'll love you if you do whatever they want you to do, whatever they tell you to do, whatever they ask you to do. They're going to love you if you obey them. As it is, you do not belong to the world. Quit listening to the world. Get your eyes and heart in the Word of God and then people that promote the truths from the Word of God or teach education through the Word of God or who, who do mechanics through the Word of God, who are doctors through the Word of God, who are nurses through the Word of God, who are lawyers through the Word of God. Those are the people I listen to first. Those are the people I go to business first. The Christians that love God. And are professionals for God. They have a wisdom that the world does not have. As it is, you did not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Let me end with the story. Remember, it says, "Everyone who wants to live godly in Christ will be persecuted." That also means, as a pastor too. There was a boy whose family was very wealthy. And one day, his father took him on a trip to to the country where he aimed to show his son how poor people live. So they arrived to a farm of a very poor family. They spent several days, and on their return, the father asked his son, did he like the trip? Oh, it was great, Dad, the boy replied. Did you notice how the poor people lived? Yeah, I did, said the boy. The father asked the son to tell him more in more details about his impression from their trip. Well, we only have one dog. They have four of them. In our garden there is a pool. Well, they have a river that has no end. We we got expensive lanterns, but they have stars above their heads at night. We have the patio, they have the whole horizon. We have only a small piece of land. Well, they have the endless fields. We buy food, but they grow it. We have a high fence to, for the protection of our property. <laughs> they don't need it as their friends protect them. The father was stunned. He could not say a word. Then the boy had a, thank you, Dad, for letting me see how poor we are. The story shows That the true wealth, as well as happiness, is not measured by material things. But if you put in practice and put into action these Beatitudes, they're far more valuable. Let's pray. Father, unite us as a church in Christ Jesus even though we may see things a little bit differently. Would you unite us, please? But remind people that believe the opposite way, Father, that when I stand up here to preach and teach, I want to teach the truth, speak the truth, and then speak the truth that really is out there in life. And one of the truths I speak, Father, is you said if we don't believe in you, we will be judged, and then hell awaits us. We know that many churches, Father, are not teaching there's a hell. And we'll be persecuted for that. But remind someone listening to the sound of my voice that they can escape hell, escape judgment, by calling on Jesus to save them and make their peace with God. Remind them they can do that right now, right where they're sitting or right where they're watching. Ask you to forgive them. Call on Jesus and he'll save you. Father, help us incorporate these truths into our lives. Help us to take a stand, a loving stand. Help us to pray for one another in the workplace where there's a lot of persecution happening, where people are wondering whether they're going to keep their jobs or not. Help us as a church know what we should be for such a time as this. Are you coming in the clouds soon? Or is this going to be around for a little while? Would you show us what we need to do? But help us have these attitudes that will help us have a real smile on our face and not a fake one because we know all is in your control. Help us water down and fertilize these attitudes that we need to have today, tomorrow, the next day. Blessed, happy for those that listen to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand at this time? I want to remind you that, uh, again, on the way out, there's a gift for our guest. If they'll fill out a card, you receive a gift online. Please be sure to tell us. This is the first time. And of course, afterwards, if you need prayer, we, we will be around to hear your prayers. God bless you. Have an awesome day.